You don't need a high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look. Be your own interior designer with big design, small budget. Here's your host, Betsy Helmuth. Hello, all you lovebirds. I am recording on Valentine's Day, and you are probably getting this a little bit after that, but love is in the air the entire week. I love Valentine's Day. Whether I was single or now that I'm with someone, I've always loved the holiday. I think it's such a special time to think about a universal theme of love, whether it's loving your pet or loving your spouse or self-love or Galentine's Day, which I was always a huge proponent of. I'm just wild about the holiday. Call it Hallmark, call it commercialized, I call it fun. So I hope you guys had a wonderful Valentine's Day filled with flowers, chocolates, and self-love. And now I want to talk about loving your designer, finding the perfect match for you. So if you've listened to this podcast, you're a design enthusiast, I just have a feeling, or maybe you're designing your own space and you're trying to look for a designer. Maybe you're getting a lot of answers here but still want some guidance or want someone to double check your work. And that is what designers can do. So often I get asked, Betsy, how can I know if a designer is right for me? So today I am going to share that with you. I am your interior designer matchmaker. This is Big Design Small Budget and I am Betsy Helmuth. So there are six critical questions you must ask a designer before you hire them. The first question is, how are you going to get to know me and my style? When I worked at Tom Felicia, nobody ever asked this question. They all wanted Tom Felicia's style. He was very well known from Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. Everybody knew the look that they were going to get. His personal designs in terms of his own home were in magazines and on TV shows. And people wanted his look. That's the same thing with other famous designers like Kelly Wurstler. A lot of my clients are super keyed in to her style. They want their place to look like it could be her place, and they want to replicate that same feel and aesthetic. I don't work that way. I get all my interior design inspiration from my clients. I want a space to look like your home. I don't want it to look like my home. I want there to be personal touches. I want there to be a style and a feeling that is yours alone. So that way when your friends come over, when your family comes over, they say, wow, this space is so you, not wow, this space is so Kelly Wurstler. And I am not knocking that. Like I said, a lot of people are really into that. They pay top dollar for that, and that is how interior design used to work. The designer didn't care about your aesthetic. You were signing on to get their vision. But that doesn't even inspire me as a designer. I started my career, as some of you know, as a painter, and I was painting photorealism. In other words, I would take an object and I would paint it so that it looked exactly the same. And What I found so inspiring about that was that I could take this bowl of apples and interpret it the way I wanted to. In other words, I found inspiration from the item. I wasn't making something up in my imagination or doing just sort of an interpretive picture of something that was in my mind. Instead, I was inspired by something that was physical and real, and then I reflected it back into the paper. 
And that's still how I work today as a designer. I'm inspired by my client, by what moves them, by who they are, by what they do and what they love. And I reflect that back to them through my design choices. And that's not the way everyone should work, but if that's in alignment with what you want, if that resonates with who you are, then that should be something that you look for. So how we determine who our clients are is we have them fill out a questionnaire. It's called our design style questionnaire. And it sounds intimidating because a lot of our clients assume they're going to have to know their style. But most of the people that we work with have no idea what their personal style is. Instead, we ask them questions like, what are three interesting things about your lifestyle? Or what makes you happy? Or what are your favorite hobbies? Where's your favorite place to go on vacation? By knowing lots of different facets of our clients and their personalities, I can reflect back to them something that really suits their family and their lifestyle. So just check with your designer. Make sure that the way that they're going to work is in alignment with what you want to see in your home at the end of the process. The next question that I think all clients should ask their designer is, can your designs stand up to real life? I have this new tagline that I'm thinking of using for my business. I would love to hear your feedback on our Facebook page. Um, And the Facebook page is Big Design Small Budget Podcast. My new tagline is practical first, pretty second. It really bugs me when I open up Architectural Digest or when I open up El Decor and I see these impeccable rooms that then they're telling me the person that lives here has kids and she has a dog she just loves and when I turn the page, there they are in a little vignette playing in the family room. And I'm like, what? You have a white or cream sofa. You have a silk rug. Like these things cannot stand up to jumping children, barfing dogs, messy husbands. Is there a place to store crap? Is there a hook to hang up your coat when you walk in? Where are we putting our mail? Like these are things I want to see, not only as somebody who lives in a space and needs to manage the chaos, but also as a designer who wants you to have a space that has visual longevity. I don't want you to get that perfect white sofa from Pottery Barn. And two seconds later, somebody sits down with dark jeans and you're left with an indigo butt imprint. I think it's so important that people think about these kind of situations, spills, stains, entertaining issues, soot from shoes when they're creating that design plan. And so a lot of designers are basing their aesthetic choices on beauty alone. I think that's a big misstep, especially if you're on a budget. If you don't have somebody who can constantly be spot treating your stuff, if you don't have enough money to replace that white armchair when it's trashed, then you really need to be designing with a different thought process in mind. So I'm asking myself, can this piece take a lickin' and keep on ticking? Would I ever select fabric dining chairs for myself or a family with children? Absolutely not. It's all about leather or pleather or wood or metal, something that you can wipe off with a damp sponge. So these are the things I'm constantly checking with my process. Does that resonate with you? Or are you really wanting that elevated look and you're willing to live differently in order to get it. 
These are two different types of designers you would be calling. So that's important to think about. The next thing that people call me complaining about after having worked with other designers is question three. What am I going to get and for exactly how much? It's hard to quantify a design process because it's artistic at the end of the day. So how long does it really take my designer to find a perfect piece of art? How long does it really take her to find a rug? How long does it take her to create the layout in my space? These things are so nebulous and with other companies you're buying by the hour and it's not quantified for you as to what you're actually going to get. And with a high-end designer, you're maybe not sure what she's going to be or he, of course, recommending. So if you're on a budget, you need to be looking for transparent plans and packages. At Affordable Interior Design, we tell our clients that we source six to eight items in an hour. Do we really source six to eight items in an hour? No, we don't. Sometimes six to eight items takes me two hours. Sometimes if there's a lot of light fixtures that are super complicated, if there's a lot of artwork that I need to find, it could take me upwards of three hours to source six to eight items. What was I shopping for today? Oh yeah, I was shopping for outdoor furniture and it is off season. And they wanted everything from rugs to artwork to light fixtures. And I was struggling. <laughs> I have been struggling for about a week now. But I am going to charge them six to eight items per hour. Because you win some, you lose some. And sometimes I can source it even faster than that. We also promise that we will create the layout for two rooms in that two-hour visit. So by the end of the visit, you're going to know exactly where your couch goes, your artwork goes, your rugs go, your floor lamps go. And that is very hard to promise, especially in a problematic space. So we have come up with what some of you guys know as our floor plan game. And that is a way that we can ensure that we always come up with that floor plan in the allotted hour. Now, if you haven't distilled your process down to these formulas, or if you work in a more organic or free-form way, it's very hard to promise clients things and to stick within those parameters. And maybe that's not even the way you want your designer to work. Maybe you want her to really just free flow and be creative and take as many hours as she needs to find that perfect piece of art. And that's a different service. So be asking yourself, do I know exactly what I'm going to get for how much? Do I need to know? Am I the kind of person that even wants to know? Or I want that more high-end experience where I call the shots and the hours add up, but we source everywhere and sky's the limit. The fourth question that I recommend that people ask is will your redesign solve my problems? As I mentioned before, practicality is first and prettiness is second. So I don't really care how nice your home looks if there's no storage for toys, books, paperwork. If there's no instantly recognizable place for people to put their shoes when they walk into your home. If there's not enough storage space for your clothing and so it's always dripping out of your closet and winding up on your bedroom floor or on your bed. Strategic solutions are so important, and even people with a high-end budget need to think about these factors. Will your design support my lifestyle? Or when I get the newspaper off the front lawn, when my kids play Sorry or Monopoly on the floor, will my 
impeccably designed home look trashed? These are things to think about. The other question that you want to ask is how long will it take for this transformation? My clients or people who call me have really unrealistic expectations of what can be done in a certain amount of time. The least amount of time that a design can take if you're ordering things online or ordering things that aren't already in stock or starting from scratch is two months. Let me lay that timeline out there for you because a lot of people are like, two months? That's the quickest you can move? Yes. Even if you were designing on your own, that's the quickest you can move. Let me tell you how. You meet with your designer one day. You get all their ideas the following week. Now, that's a pretty quick turnaround. We offer that at Affordable Interior Design, but most interior designers do not offer a week turnaround. Most of them need two weeks to four weeks, so factor that in. Then you take another week really solidifying that shopping list, making sure that you feel comfortable buying everything, finding some options for a few things, then you're ready to pull the trigger. You order everything in one day. Then those items arrive over the course of two to three weeks. So right now, we're already looking at five weeks. Once everything is there, you call that handyman. He comes back to take things out of boxes, to assemble the pieces that need assembling, to hang the drapes, hang the artwork, lay the rugs. That's another one to four visits. So right there, we're at two months if everything goes swimmingly, if there's not a lot of back and forth about options, if there's no delays with the ordering, and inevitably there are delays, if nothing comes damaged, if everything is impeccable. So two months is a minimum. If anybody promises you anything less than that, I would question what they're able to do or your scope of work. Maybe you don't really need that many items. Or maybe they're pulling a rabbit out of their hat. But just be wary of people who promise you a process that's less than two months from start to completion. Also, I think you should be wary of people who take more than six months. That's a really labor-intensive process that's really stretched out with not a lot of momentum. And as we've discussed before, those high-end clients can take six months to six years. People are really ready to wait for that perfect piece. But if that's not you, if that's not the experience you want to have, then look for somebody who can turn around your project in two to six months. Finally, I request that my clients or whenever they're asking people um, about their design services when they're seeking a designer, question number six is what is the catch? There's truly always a catch. Even with high-end designers, there's a catch. It's going to take a long time, and I'm going to upcharge every piece, so you're going to pay an additional 10% even over the discounted price. Or, you know, you're working with me, and it's all going to be online, and I'm never actually going to see your space, and you're going to get a limited number of options. Now, even at Affordable Interior Design, we have a catch. The catch is we're going to tell you exactly what to do and exactly what to buy, but then you've got to go out and buy things and put them where we've told you. The work is on you to actually execute the roadmap we've drawn for you. You want to manage your expectations and also be very clear about your expectations with your designer. That way you can really ensure that they're the right fit for you, for what you're looking for, and the goals that you're hoping to achieve. And then make sure that you get that agreement. Yes, this is what we do. 
Perhaps get it in writing if it's not transparent on their website. These are the five things you're absolutely going to get. So when you're thinking about hiring a designer, make sure that beyond setting your budget, beyond thinking about your style and researching inspiration pictures that you like, you also spend an equal, if not longer amount of time researching that design firm. Are they a fit? Ask them these six magic questions, and hopefully that will lead you to the designer of your dreams. I'm Betsy Helmuth, interior designer, matchmaker. Before I reach into the old mailbag, we're going to take a quick commercial break. Do you love learning about design? Do you wish you could take a deeper dive into the topics we discuss every week on my podcast? You can. I offer online design classes. Just head to the website, bigdesignsmallbudget.com, and you can check out my online classes there. I offer three different courses, one in feng shui, one in styling, and one that focuses on furniture selection, size, etc. Choose from those classes or take all three and get a copy of my book for free. Each class is $40 or get that combo pack with the book, three classes, and the book mailed to your home for $90. Mention promo code podcast to get 15% off your entire order. Check out my classes, learn more, empower yourself so that you can go shopping with confidence and design a space that looks uniquely you while having optimum flow. Check it out at bigdesignsmallbudget.com. Welcome back. I am reaching deep, deep, deep into the old mailbag. And I must say, you guys are doing a great job of sending in your questions. Keep them coming to Betsy at AffordableInteriorDesign.com. The other thing that I would love for you to send me are ideas for entire episodes. Is there a topic you want me to talk about that I haven't covered? I'm at over, I think I'm at over 80 or 90 episodes. So I've covered pretty much everything. If there is something that you want to hear from a new angle, a different vantage point that you want me to reiterate, send in those topics. I am in desperate need of some inspiration in terms of future episodes. Now let me get right to your question. This question comes from Kelsey. She asks, what color should I paint my walls? What? That is a very hard question. As a general rule, keep your living space neutral. So the living room, keep it neutral because you want to do lots of different things in there from watching TV and relaxing to entertaining in a more energetic way to, you know, hosting play dates to maybe working on your laptop. So a neutral will give you that foundation to be able to switch between lots of different feelings and emotions in the same space. And by neutral, I mean a gray, a beige, a version of white. If you're talking about a dining room, I like to do something a little bit unexpected. A dining room is like a bonus room. So you can have a little bit of fun and do something darker, more saturated, or even pop it with a color. I keep the bedroom very restful. And so that's typically a beige or a neutral. I love putting colors in kids' rooms and I love asking the kids, what color do you want? I don't let them pick the exact color off the paint swatch because I don't want it to look like bubblegum explosion or Legoland. But I let them give me a general direction, blue, purple, pink, and then I pick a sophisticated shade of that color. If it's an entryway that's small and isolated, I would love to pop it with a color or even a strong wallpaper. 
if it's an entryway that leads to a hallway, a staircase, a living space, I tend to keep it neutral. I tend to keep kitchens neutral as well because there's a lot of other things going on from backsplash to floor tile to cabinetry. So there's typically not even a lot of paint to be done in a kitchen. Um, what about some other spaces? Family rooms are also kind of that bonus room experience. So I might do a more saturated shade of the living room color, or I might actually do a color if it's removed. I worry about basements because they tend to get dark pretty quickly. So think about doing a pale shade of yellow or something light and bright in there so that it doesn't feel quite so cavey. So Kelsey, I hope that helped because your question was very general uh, and my answers were a little bit general as well. Let me go to the next question. My next question comes from Leon. Leon writes, Betsy, where should I put my furniture? What is the best way to arrange my space? There are no pictures and no further details, so I'm not quite sure about the exact information that you're wanting. But when creating a layout, the first question that I ask myself is what's the most important function in the room? The most important function in a living room is generally comfortable seating, lounging, and watching TV. The most important function in a dining room is, of course, dining at the table. The most important function in a bedroom is sleeping. So then I take the furniture pieces that are related to that function. In other words, in a bedroom, it's the bed. In a dining room, it's the table. In a living room, it's generally the couch or the sectional plus the TV. And I move those pieces around weighing the pros and cons of every placement. When I create a floor plan, it's always about process of elimination. What doesn't work? What's not possible? That leads me to the options that are possible. It whittles it down for me. Then I take those options that are possible and I ask myself, which one is best? And if I don't know right away that answer, then I ask myself, which options aren't ideal? Which options are problematic? And again, I use that process of elimination. What options don't work when I fill in all the other functions, the dresser, the hamper, the vanity table, etc.? So Leon, I hope that helped. And guys, keep those questions coming. And also, I want to remind you about our contest. From now until St. Patrick's Day, we are having a review contest. We love reviews because they help spread the word about our podcast. And they are the best way to get new listeners and new fans. Your reviews are so important to our growth and our success. If you would be so inclined, we would love it if you would go to iTunes, leave a review, let us know what you think about the podcast, tell your friends and family, and for everyone who leaves a review between now and St. Patrick's Day, you'll be entered to win a signed copy of my book. We had two awesome winners in our winter contest back before the holidays, and part two of our winter contest is on. So go to iTunes, leave us a review. We really appreciate it. And we also appreciate our producer, Catherine Heller. We love Aton and the Embassy, our house band. And finally, our sponsor, Affordable Interior Design, the premier place to get a beautiful look on a budget. Till next time, guys. Bye.